Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you back to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 91st episode. Um, and if you're a returning listener, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are in our 91st episode. We are in our eighth season. We have concluded our first year as of February 2022. <clears throat> we are well into June now doing these episodes of 2022. And it looks like before the end of the summer, we'll be at 100 episodes. A lot of interesting things will be occurring after the 100th episode. That 100th episode, I feel personally, puts this platform on notice. It puts advertisers, investors on notice that I do this for real, that this is a real platform. I'm not just one episode in, 10 episodes or 50 episodes in and decided to call it quits. 100 episodes tells the world, the, the, the money world, the, the world that wants to invest in the things that you're doing, that you're going to do this for real, that you are invested in this. If you've decided to do it 100 times, regardless of what's been going on in, in, in the personal life or professional life, somehow, some way, within a calendar year, we've gotten to 100 episodes. That's more than one episode per week, considering, right? Because there's only 52 weeks in a year. So if I only did one episode a week, that would be 52 episodes, right? Here we are. We've doubled that. So that's output. And I know the business world loves themselves some output. So do I. Output leads to outcomes, correct? So that 100th episode for me lets me go into certain meetings, allows me to swing a bigger bat, when I walk in and say, yeah, I do this for real because so many podcasts start and then they fizzle out and end because of the amount of work it takes. Having ideas for shows and and people just don't feel like doing it anymore for a multitude of reasons. But here we are. Here we are. 100 episodes. I'm almost 100 episodes in 91. That's awesome. A lot of new things are going to be coming down the pike with that 100th episode. Um We'll just uh, those details will be forthcoming. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to cash app us at dollar sign June Bow. That's dollar sign J U N B E A U. Venmo us at June Bow. That J U N B E A U. You can also Zell us, and my Zell is my first name and my last name at Gmail, which is spelled J U N Y A. B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N. That's Bobrun at gmail.com. That's the Zell. It's awesome. I appreciate the donations. I appreciate the sharing uh, of the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to rate the podcast. I would really appreciate that. And leave a comment in the comment section of it. You know, if you want to say, hey, this is a great show. Oh, this show kind of sucks. Whatever. Leave ratings, leave comments. It helps. <clears throat> if you're listening on Spotify, thank you for following. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for putting it on podcast playlists. Thank you for recommending it on podcast playlists. Thank you for sharing it with friends saying, hey, listen, listen to this episode from minute such and such to minute such and such. We should have a conversation about that. What we're talking about here is bringing up different conversation. Um, it's, it, it's happening in my personal life. 
um, people that I don't know. There are friends and family that are listening that I don't even speak to. I don't. I rarely am in contact. If I'm in contact with them at all, they're listening. The reason why I know it is because the people that I do speak to are having certain conversations with me, and they're saying, "Yeah, um, I was having a conversation with such and such about a particular topic, and I noticed that it'll be a topic that I covered." And it's and the specific points that they were making in those other conversations were points that I was making. And I'll just be like, oh, really? Oh, it's interesting. And I know what that comes from. That comes from even people that I don't speak to that are in my, let's just say, somewhere on the outskirts or in the periphery of my social circle. They're listening. That means there's impacts going on even in my family. The awesome thing about this format, guys, is I get to speak to everyone at once. I don't have to have this same exact conversation over and over and over again with this friend and that friend and spend an hour on the phone with this one, an hour on the phone with that one, an hour on the phone with that one about the same exact subject spoken about in the same exact way. What ends up occurring is I get to say this and then the conversations I have, they start to vary. This person wants to discuss a little part about this. This person wants to speak about this tiny part. And this, so it's starting conversations with people that wouldn't have occurred before in, in different ways. And it's starting conversations that I will never be privy to with people that I will never, ever meet. And yeah, there's something about that the, as, you know, using my voice as a force multiplier on this platform, that's kind of humbling. And I, and I take it as a responsibility. That's the reason why I cringe at people who use these platforms to just say anything that comes out of their mouth. You have, a, you have a greater responsibility once you've decided to speak to not only your public, but the general public. And I take that responsibility as serious as any responsibility in my life. So I just want you guys to know that I appreciate each and every moment that you spend listening to me. Is my chair squeaking? It is. Okay. I know I didn't gain any weight. It's not me. But anyway... <sighs> it's been an interesting um, couple of weeks. You guys know that if you guys have been listening to my episodes, um, the last episode that I did, I ended it. <laughs> I ended it in a way that I enjoyed. I said, should we, ta should we be talking about gun control or should we be talking about poverty control? Because it seems as if the places that have the most propensity for violence are not places that um, have a propensity that have a proliferation of money and resources that the com one of the common denominators is poverty in places that have rampant gun violence. We're not talking about the aberrations that are occurring. Well, I don't want to call them aberrations because they're becoming more of a normality. The occurrences that occurred in Texas and in Buffalo, you know, um, but we're talking about the everyday homicide. The everyday homicide that's occurring in Brooklyn, that's occurring in Brownsville, in the Bronx, in, 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 in Chicago, Southside, Atlanta, Texas, Houston, whatever, California, we're talking about. And it's happening in neighborhoods that don't have the same amount of resources as other neighborhoods. I made an analogy. I made a comparison last episode where I spoke about where I used to live in Jupiter, Florida, where a lot of my fancy friends, which is a very affluent area, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, everyone has a house. I've, I've been at a table at Tommy Bahama eating, and Michael Jordan was at another table. 
Okay. I didn't see him. There was a crowd around them and people was like, and I was like, well, who's that? They were like, that's MJ. And I just froze. I said, I'm sorry, what? He's like, yeah, Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's here. He comes here every once in a while. And I said, Michael, that's Michael over there. And I was going to try to be part of that swarm, but it was that many people. Ran into Tiger Woods on a couple of occasions. Ran into Joe Namath and this one and that one. That's the neighborhood I lived in. Okay? And amongst those fancy friends, they were armed to the teeth with weapons that you cannot even find in a gun store. Hmm? And these were some party animals. These dudes were involved in all types. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. But uh, all I'm saying is, yeah, some wild boys, wealthy, fancy, rich, or maybe not wealthy, but definitely rich, high earners. And when I say high earners, people, I'm saying um, $500,000 a year. The ma- upwards of four hundred, three hundred thousand is the minimum. Fancy friends had a group of them. And in my neighborhood, it was a nice little apartment complex. Not everybody was fancy. Everybody was just working, you know, doing what they had to do. And I knew a bunch of the neighbors because where I go, I tend to meet people. That's like my ethos over the last 10 plus years. More than that, I will. I don't care if I'm at a restaurant. I'm going to know the waiters, waitress, the server's name, last name, where they're from. That's how I am. So my neighborhood, I knew a lot of people, a lot of people. I was immersed in the culture. I was immersed in the people. So I had a, I was invited to everything. And guess what? Everywhere I went, everyone was armed to the teeth. Everyone was armed to the teeth. Rarely any shots were fired in Jupiter, Florida. Meanwhile, six or so exits south of us is a little town called Riviera Beach. Sounds nice enough. Sounds luxurious. It sounds like a place you'd want to live. Ooh, Riviera. Ooh, on the Riviera. Yeah, I'd love to live in Riviera Beach. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because it's number 11 in one of the most violent cities in America. Hello. Number 11 out of 50 violent cities per capita. 44 homicides per 100,000 people. That's above the national average. Uh Uh-oh. Are there more guns in Riviera Beach than Jupiter? No. Is there more poverty in Riviera Beach than Jupiter? Yes. Riviera Beach's median salary is is around is teetering around the poverty line. Ah, whoa. So is there a relationship between poverty and violence in America, poverty and gun violence in America? Possibly. We spoke about the, uh, how prohibition doesn't work. Out of the $51 billion we spend in drug enforcement in America, does it look like we're, we're, we're curbing uh, drug addiction and drug? O- oh, no. 2020 and 2021 had the most drug overdoses in America's history. How's that working out? We have whole agencies dedicated to the prohibition of drugs. How's that been working out in Baltimore? How's that been working out all over the world? How's that been working out? Is your opioid crisis? How's that going? Five percent of the population in the United five percent of the world's population is consuming the majority of the psychotropic and narcotics in the world here. Here we're spending fifty one billion dollars per year, one trillion dollars since 1971, since Richard Nixon instituted the war on drugs. Hmm? Where is the war on poverty? So if you're going to declare a war on guns, you're going to drive that industry completely underground and you're going to have more robbers than citizens. 
You're going to have robbers preying on citizens at more of an alarming rate than you have now. With the advent of new technologies where you have uh, rings and you have cameras outside and motion detectors and your phone is able to detect certain things. If you have a firearm accompanied with a surveillance system, you are putting you and your family in the best position to survive an attack by a predator. So creating some new government agency to try to vet out and figure out who's suitable to have a gun or not. Is that going to work? Did that work during the prohibition of alcohol and gambling when it gave rise to La Cosa Nostra? And all of a sudden we have Al Capone being the richest man in America and one of the richest men in the world worth over $100 million in 1929 while, the, while America was broke. During the, during the Great Depression, America was broke. Meanwhile, Al Capone could... you you. The government put itself in a position where a criminal could buy the government because of their legislation. Think about that for a moment. The government, in its, in its case to create a morally a moral, prudent America, puritanical America, decides that it's going to outlaw alcohol and gambling. And then it gives rise to men like Al Capone who are like, I'm going to supply alcohol and gambling. And who is he supplying alcohol and gambling to? Politicians, lawyers, doctors, business people, powerful men. He is liquid and he's selling these products that are now at a scarcity at quintuple the rate, if not 10 times what they would be going for. And it's, and it's not regulated because that rot gut whiskey that was being sold in those speakeasy nightclubs under Al Capone's uh, uh, reign would not even be able to make the lowest shelf at your bar in 2022. It was rot gut whiskey. What does that mean? It was rotting your gut. Okay? Alcohol is already not good for your system in any way, shape, or form when you put it inside of your body for any other reason besides an antiseptic. Okay? It already ha does great harm to one's body. But this alcohol was the worst of the worst. That moonshine that was coming in from, from the South or from Canada or from wherever. Unregulated. It's not like we're going to some cask or cavern somewhere in Scotland to, 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 to measure the Scotch whiskey and seeing how long it's been aged in that oak with berries and, and, and tulips and cinnamon. That's not what this was. That's that. This ain't that. And so the government, in its infinite wisdom, decides to prohibit something that creates the rise of a man that's richer than the government, that can buy the government, and at certain points in time did, and gives rise to organized crime that bought judges, doctors, lawyers, politicians, all in their back pocket, because you cannot have organized crime without the complicit alliance of high-ranking law enforcement. Low rank and file and high rank and file. You cannot keep organized crime. You can be a criminal without having a judge in your pocket, but you cannot be an organized criminal where everybody knows you're a criminal. Al Capone at one point was the most popular man in America. Voted by the people. And everyone knows he was a criminal. And you couldn't put that man behind bars. Why? Because he paid off the proper people. Hello. How can you be the most popular criminal and not be behind bars? You're supposed to be the most popular criminal in jail. How are you the most? We can't stick anything on him. Why? Oh, because he has accountants. He's washed his money through our corporations and through our corporate veils. And he's using this. And his lawyer is the same lawyer for Dewey and Thomas. Wait, wait, wait huh? Wait, what? 
he's he's he people say he has judges in his pockets and what and he gets he gets tipped off when certain things are going to occur how's he oh because he's got the chief of police in such and such town in his Oh, I read books on La Cosa Nazi, and I've read how many politicians were in the pockets of organized criminals. So this is not me being hyperbolic because I used to be fascinated by America's love affair with criminals. Whether it's the cowboys who were criminals, by the way, cowboys were the first bloods and crips in America. Don't get it twisted. The story and not Clint Eastwood, John Wayne stuff, that antihero fistful of dollars and all of that. Hey, Pilgrim and all of that. Listen. So I was like, wait, what's going on? Is there psychosis in America that we just love ourselves some bandits, man? We claim to be puritanical. It's like in the movie Queen, the movie about Queen, um, that uh, legendary rock group, when one of the members says America is puritans in public and per perverts in private. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a certain, um, uh, uh, I guess, truth to that, I think. <clears throat> but there's definitely a certain hypocrisy that goes on and a, and a, and a paradox where, you know, and that's why I say all these things that we've prohibited, proliferated and prospered. War on drugs, $51 billion a year being spent on drugs. You have more million dollar millionaire drug dealers now than you've had before. <clears throat> you have El Chapo's and MS-13 and gangs in Central America and Guatemala and South America and all these places that are profiting off of our consumption. How is it that we're not able to close our borders to the consumption of drugs? Why is it that I can get cocaine easier than Coca-Cola in certain neighborhoods? Like I told, I told you guys the story. I was in a college dorm room and I was on the top floor of the dorm and it was easier to get. And I, and I don't and I didn't partake, but I'm just letting you know it was easier to get cocaine than it was to go all the way downstairs and get a Coca-Cola. <clears throat> and, and the cocaine is coming from where? From some country, some farm thousands of miles away in another country it's it's like three four countries away you got to go through the united states and go through mexico then go through central america and go to parts of south america so you got to go through almost a half a dozen states <clears throat> to get that little bag of coke <clears throat> for it to reach wherever you live right now in middle america north america south what's going on people all I'm saying is this idea, I don't, want, I don't want people out there to think that taking guns off the streets is going to lead to a, taking guns off of the streets or using gun control measures are going to stop gun violence. It's not. The same way trying to take drugs off the street hasn't gotten rid of drugs. The same way that trying to take alcohol and prohibit alcohol and gambling didn't stop alcohol and gambling. It gave rise to an organized crime unit. The underworld will rise up and they will do what the gun stores can no longer do. They will provide through scarcity and through the laws of supply and demand, especially in places with income inequality, such as the United States, you're going to see. Someone fill in the gap and organizations fill in the gap and say, well, you don't got you guys. Um, you guys uh, want to want to ban guns from the average American being able to get a gun. Then guess what? This is what we're going to do. But I don't hear any talk about poverty control. I'm, I'm seeing debates go on between presidents. Joseph R. Biden and Donald J. Trump had a debate. <clears throat> the debate about poverty was scant when. 
when uh, Donald J. Trump and, and Hillary R. Clinton had their conversation, uh, their, their debates, the conversation about poverty and American income, income inequality was, 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 was nil and the narrowing of conversations. And I'm telling you that there's an invert, there's a relationship between poverty and gun violence. That Riviera Beach does not have more guns than Jupiter, which is only six exits up on the highway than it is. But you know what it has more of? More poverty. There's more money in Jupiter. There's more money and guns, guns in Jupiter. More resources to their schools, more resources to their uh, uh, to jobs for the kids. Uh, you know, I live in a neighborhood right now where you have tons of jobs for teens. Tons. Couple of malls, a bunch of gyms. There's one gym or resort gym that I used to contract for. The, the place itself has over 10 departments. And in each department, there's some 17-year-old working there. Whether it's by the pool, and you need pool attendants. When you're building things like this, you need people to fill these roles when you're building. So there's resources being allocated to particular areas. So now these, these kids have something to do. I get to chill and I get to make money. I'm working in the tennis club. I'm working in the pool club. I'm working at the indoor pool. I work at the outdoor pool. I work in the in the cafe. Or I constantly. There's a bunch of little people buzzing around under 18. Inner cities, you have food deserts. Oh, there are no schools. There are no supermarkets. That's all you keep hearing. Scarcity. Kids walking down the street kicking cans. That's what you have. You don't have fancy things. You don't have things being built for them to go and enjoy and then even for them to go to work and be like, you know what? Can I get a job here? Oh, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, get a job here. You can work here and play here. Okay. So now they're spending an inordinate amount of time working, being around people, learning how to socialize, and they're, they're in safe environments, environments that can help cultivate them into, into responsible, contributory adults. Not in the inner cities. Not in these places where these impoverished, not, not in the clusters where you see a lot of the violence coming from. If you look around, if you look behind that grieving black mother with that Democratic politician standing next to her while she's holding a picture of her murdered son and she's saying, get the guns off the street. What we're not showing is behind her. There are no resources. There are no supermarkets. There are no libraries. The schools are closing down and we're being replaced with charter schools. There are no after school activities. There's no recreational activities. <clears throat> Nothing going on in that neighborhood. Bunch of kids kicking the can. Mm. That seems to be a common thread, whether it's north, south, east, or west. Uh-oh. So is it gun control that we need or maybe some poverty control? Maybe we need to get this poverty under control. <clears throat> but then you have people like Peyton Gendron and you have other people. You have these misaligned and non-aligned Non-black kids that are not from these poor inner city neighborhoods that are now deciding between two people, we're going to kill 30 people. And one of us lives in New York, upstate New York, and one of us lives in Texas. Two totally different areas. These kids come from two totally different, well, totally different backgrounds. But yet, same result. People are gone. People that they didn't even know. People are dead. Extinguished. So, is this about guns? Is this about whether you have 10 rounds in your clip or 20? When you have 38% of the public, of the United States public, 
that is suffering from illicit drug use, that we as 5% of the 5% of the world's population are, are consuming the majority of the world's psychotropic drugs. And when I say psychotropic, if you don't know what that is, that means all the antidepressant, all the mental disorder drugs, all the antidepressants, things of that nature to treat certain mental conditions. And then of the illicit narcotics, whether they be cocaine, whether they be methamphetamine, whether they be heroin, because marijuana shouldn't be considered as illicit as it is in its present in its in its natural form. It's just a green. So I don't put marijuana on that list. But do I believe that some 13 year old should be smoking? Nah. But if you don't legalize it, guess what happened? Like a kid can get a beer, right? A kid can get a beer. But can you get a beer without um, how do you get a beer if you're a 13 year old? You get it because it's in a friend's fridge. Oh, my dad drinks beer. So maybe you get it that way. Maybe. You have to be careful, right? Or you get a beer because maybe there's some unscrupulous proprietor of alcohol at a store will allow you to have it. You know how difficult it was for me to get a beer in New York? Let me say this to you right now. At 15 years old in New York City, it was easier. Listen to this. Listen to this. And this is very, very important. New York City, and I've said this before, had some of the most stringent, stringent gun control laws. For you to be a person, to be able to, you couldn't carry a gun in New York as a law-abiding, tax-paying citizen. Meanwhile, New York City had one of the highest homicide rates. Go figure. How safe? We don't ever consider New York safe. New York is not synonymous with safety. New York, big city, big city of dreams, fashion, finance, hip, this, that, and the third, hip-hop, whatever, vanguard, of one of the best cities in the world, blah, blah, blah. New York and safety do not go hand in hand. And, I, and firsthand, I'm telling you, it's true. When people ask me, should I go to New York, is it safe? Yeah, yes and no. <laughs> if you tell me if Boca Raton is safe, it's just yes. If you say, hey, June, is Jupiter safe? Absolutely. But if you say, hey, June, is NYC safe? And I don't care if you're in Midtown, downtown, if you're on Park Avenue, Madison, is New York City safe? Yes and no. I don't care how affluent the neighborhood is. Is New York City safe? Yes and no. So even with that, gun prohibition, stringent as they come, one of the, one of the strictest places to own a weapon in the United States of America. Meanwhile, you got Violence abound, gun violence. Okay? Only person allowed to carry the guns are the National Guard, the cops, and the robbers. I'm not saying the robbers are allowed, but they're the ones who have guns, right? Anyway, listen to me. At 15 years old, me trying to get a beer out of a bodega was very difficult. I walk into a bodega and be like, hey, you know, I, I'm walking up to the counter with my head down, and they're like, Papi, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 18. Do you have some ID? Nah. All right, Papa, I can't sell it to you. Uh, I could get fined. I can get arrested, you know, whatever, whatever. I got cameras here. If you, you, you do something and you have a beer in your hand, I, 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 can't, I can't. You know, I can lose my business. I can. All right, all right, thanks, man. Pop, come on, man. I'll give you some more money. It's a $2.50 Heineken. I'll give you $6. Papa, I can't take it. <sighs> do that three, four times. Can't get a beer. I'm looking at my friends. I mean, go, man, we tried to get some older guys at the barbershop to get us a beer. And they're like, man, get out of here. Damn. But guess what? Each one of us at 15 years old could get our hands on a gun. The most prohibited item in New York State with all the police and all the Giuliani's and all the Gestapo regimes that had their that had 
their eyes on us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just surveilling us for no apparent reason. Just getting into normal teenage hijinks. It was easier for me to buy a gun in the most prohibitive gun state in the country than it was for me to buy a beer. Which at one point was prohibited and, and gave rise to one of the richest men in the world, Al Capone, because you prohibited it. That's why I'm telling you gun control doesn't work. I see it firsthand. I couldn't get a beer, but I could get a gun. I couldn't get a $2.50 beer, but I could get a $200 gun. We could all get our money together and be like, yo, who's got a pistol? Oh, such and such got one. He's going to sell it to us for $200. All right, man, it's four of us, $50. Let's go. So any one of us have a problem, you know, let, you know, boom, take care of that. Oh, all right, cool, cool, cool. That would have been easy. But it didn't matter, didn't matter how much money I, I gave the bodega owner who had the regulated barcode, everything like that. It's no longer prohibited. We just have certain legislations and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden uh, against the alcohol use under the age of 18. And then guess what? I couldn't get a beer, but I could get a gun because you prohibited it. You prohibited the gun. So now I can get it. People may think that that doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense. I lived it. I lived it. You prohibit drugs. I can get drugs. I can get weed quicker than I can get a beer. And I didn't smoke. But I can get weed. I can't get a beer. I can get a gun, but I can't get a beer. That's the world you create with certain when you contraband certain things. But you're not contrabanding poverty. You're not saying, hey, listen, man, this inverse relationship, this scarcity matrix that we're in is possibly giving rise to the violence. Because when I look around the world, like I said, I lived in Jupiter, more guns in Jupiter than in Riviera Beach. Riviera, I lived at exit 81 for a while. But exit 75, 74 was on fire. You get off the 95 and you, 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 go, you head east, you're going to have a problem. You don't want to be back there. I'm sorry, you don't even have to go that far. 81, exit 76, which was Blue Heron. In the back streets of Blue Heron. Good luck. Five exits away on the same highway. On the same highway, just boop, boop. It could take you, give or take, 10 minutes. Five exits. Give or take. Less than that. And guess what? Totally different world. The poverty increases. The scarcity increases the gun violence increased meanwhile on the other side there's more guns jupiter more guns but there's also what more resources right more things to do more wealth the accumulation of wealth more allocation of services and resources to this particular area more education more access to education whoa wait a minute so is there a relationship so I was sitting here talking about this, that, and the third, and whatever, whatever. Uh, poverty, marginalization. We got to get to that. That's the conversation. And then when we're speaking about what's going on in suburban America, forget about the inner city for a moment. What's going on in suburban America with these kids where, t where, where suicide is an option? Where, what, is, is it the leading cause of death amongst kids right now? Is that what it is? Because somebody sent me something like that. And I said, no, that's not true. I said, I said, no, that's not it. And they were like, yeah, teenage suicide, leading cause of death. 
Oh, suicide has become the second leading cause of death among teenagers in the United States, surpassing homicide deaths, which dropped to third. The suicide rate increased from eight deaths per 100,000 to 8.7 deaths per 100,000. Okay. That's where we are. So the number one cause of death is accidents, unintentional injuries, you know, kids crossing streets, bicycles not, not doing certain things that they don't mean, they don't intend to kill themselves, but they end up killing themselves or others by accident. That's number one. And number two is suicide. Number two is suicide. Okay? So what is that saying? Rage turned inward is suicide. Rage, tur rage turned outward is homicide. When you think that your life isn't worth living, you kill yourself. When you think that someone else's life isn't worth living, you kill that person. But if you think no one's life, is, a life in and of itself is meaningless, everybody or anybody can get it, whether you know them or not whether you love them or not, whether you hate them or not. That's where we are in America. Where under 18, right now, and 18 and over, guess what's going on under 18? There's a, there's a significant contingent of the under 18 population in this country that sees life as meaningless. Their life as well as others. Okay? That's our fault. And no amount of gun control is going to control that. No amount of taking guns off the street is going to take those thoughts out of the hearts and the minds of those minors and those young adults. Facts. <clears throat> That's where we are. What are we doing about that? Remember what I said this platform was about. Expanding the conversation because the rhetoric right now is heavily revolving around, oh, the guns, the guns, or what is a kidney with an AR-15? Inconsequential to the conversation. Yes, I said it. And some people out there may be like, June, that's wrong. I'm saying it's not part of the conversation to the extent that, that um, <coughs> people would have you believe. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying far as right now there are two to three to four things that need to be considered one of them is the mental health of everyone out there every single last one of us out there i said it before everyone should ha find a, a, a an expert confidant if you don't have a friend buy a friend go to whatever confidant resource uh uh and that's where monies and funds should be allocated towards counselors crisis counselors before crisis counselors people that you can speak to before you reach critical mass before you reach the critical stage of where you cannot take it anymore before you are at capacity that's where funds should be allocated america is hurting america's youth is hurting america's system is hurting america's youth America's parents are not doing a suitable job healing and guiding their children through the daily, through their traverses through the world of all the things that they have to traverse through as 
adolescents, as preteens, as teenagers, and young adults. The adults and the system are doing an inadequate job. Dare I say mediocre? Dare I, do I, dare I say they are failing? Can I go that far? If teenage suicide is on the rise, who do we blame? You want to blame hip-hop music? You want to blame rock music? You want to blame reality TV? You want to blame social media? You want to blame all these things? But when a kid is under your roof, it's, sort of, it's almost a dictatorial rule. You are in control of a lot of the stimuli that they have access to. You are, whether you, whether you want to believe it or not. But every single other year, there's a new study coming out on how you should parent and how you should do this and how you should do that. And guess what? Has it been helping? Increase in suicide deaths, increases in drug overdoses, increases in juvenile delinquency, increases in mass murder, increases in homicide. Are these new Harvard studies and this new parenting.com magazine, are they helping? Do you feel as if you're safer around young America? <laughs> hmm? Are you feeling safe out there? Young people making you feel confident that they can, that you can hand over the country to them? Hmm? That they can, you can pass the baton or the proverbial torch to them? You feeling confident that they're equipped? And if they're not equipped, why are they not equipped? When we are the first teachers, right, as uncles and as parents and as elders and as older brothers and big bros and big sisters and everyone else and aunties and grandma, we're the first teachers, right? We're, we're the ones that were supposed to teach them. We're the ones who are supposed to impart to them the knowledge so they don't go through what we went through and they can be better than us. Hey, that's evolution, improving. We want them to improve on our lot we're, so they can avoid certain pitfalls that we made. They're going to have other pitfalls, bigger pitfalls, but the stuff that we had to go through, they don't have to go through because we mastered it through trial and error and experience, and then we pass that on to them. Are we doing a good job of that? Because it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't look like it, does it? Hmm? So we can blame the music, the reality TV. We can blame Zuckerberg, Instagram, the metaverse, the video games. We can blame Halo, first-person shooters. We can do all of that. Sounds good. Sounds good. But is anyone looking in the mirror and saying maybe the problem is that we failed these kids? We failed them. We have failed them and we continue to fail them when we don't look at that, when we're looking for the guns and, oh, we got to do this to the music or do that to react. Hmm? I'm not saying that's not part of it, but I'm saying that from a child from zero to seven, you show me the child from zero to seven and I'll show you the adult. Are we doing an adequate job with these children from zero to seven? And are we doing an inadequate job for these children from seven to 14? And then from 14 to 18? Because zero to seven and seven to 14, you still have a certain, you're exercising an, an immense amount of control over your child's environment from zero to seven, definitely, and then from seven to 14. But in this modern world where everyone has to work 40 hours and 50 hours a week, the woman has to be in the marketplace because she's looking to be the first executive, of a first female to do such and such. The man is working the same amount of hours because the cost of living being what it is. And guess what? The child is being raised by whom? That's your responsibility. Nobody told you to bring a child onto the planet. Nobody told you to bring a child onto the planet that you couldn't spend an inordinate amount of time with. As a matter of fact, there's no such thing as an inordinate amount of time spending with your child. 
because there's going to come a point in time where that child is going to go off into their own world and do their own thing and you will barely or rarely see them. So the amount of time that you have to impart all the tools and the rules and the jewels to arm that child on what they need to do to be a contributory balanced individual in this society, you only have a, a sliver of time in that child's life. If that child is going to live to be 75, 80 years old on average, you have about 10, 12, 13 years of that to really impart to that child unmolested. Just you. You reign supreme. Your word is bond. You barely have a decade. Barely. You barely have a decade. But as soon as these kids pop out, off to daycare they go. Off to some $10.50 day worker who has to watch another 20, 30 kids along with yours. Off to some rinky-dink public school that's indoctrinating them. They're not even learning history. They're learning his story. They're being misinformed and malinformed and disinformed. Off to school you go. Well, I got to go do this 40 hours here. You got to go do your 25, 30 hours over there. And then maybe we'll link up at night and we'll have a quick dinner. And how was your day? Day was good? Okay. And then I'll see you on the weekend when I got a bunch of errands to do. And before you know it, that kid is picking up a pistol or picking up a, 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 a high, mag high capacity rifle. And you're saying, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know how this happened. Why not? I, I don't know. We all knew him. We, 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 how come? Why didn't you know? Why didn't you know? Maybe it's because none of us are living like a village. Goes back to who's in our village. I'm going to go back. These episodes, the last three, four episodes, I'm going to, they're going to be what I call reoccurring themes and reoccurring phraseology that I used in different episode titles. You know, who's in your village? Go back to that. Go back to those episodes. There's a reoccurring theme. I keep saying it. If you pull the yarn, if you pull this episode, there's a common thread that exists all through these 91 or so episodes. It's interwoven through all of them. Who's in your village? Hmm? Who has the keys to your hut? They say it takes a village to raise a child, right? Who's in your village? Are your neighbors, the family members and friends? Who is there to reinforce certain principles and standards and norms in these kids' lives? Is it you? But you're, you're, off, you're working all the time. And dad is working all the time. And in, in the new modern America, a father is not essential. He's supplemental. So you don't, you know, in modern America, the dad isn't as important. Meanwhile, one of the, one of the most uh, uh, common indicators of juvenile delinquency is a, is, a, is, a, is a household without a father in it. They have lower IQs, higher rate of juvenile delinquency, higher rate of, of a high school of dropout, dropping out of high school, all of that comes from not having these homes. Solid, the man, woman, and child dynamic. No matter what this modern society is telling you, those are the numbers. You can do it alone, girl, or to this, or to, or all of that other stuff, and dads not being there for their kids, and women just staying, thinking that they're going to consciously make the decision to do this on their own and still have the 40, 50-hour-a-week career and still be able to be a good mom. Guess what? You're not going to one of these things you're going to fail at. What you give time to, what you invest your time into is who you are. So if you're spending more time at the gig than being a mama or being a parent and being a papa, guess what? 
that's who you are. You're not going to be a great parent. You may be a great worker. But it, you, you can't be. Bo Let me put it to you this way. If you're using a disproportionate amount of your time to spend at a job to try to provide for a child, then what a child really wants is your presence. Your presence is the present. You being present in the present is a present. Okay? That's the gift. And if you cannot give that child that gift when you try to come back years later saying, why are you doing that? I've done all of this to provide for you. And that kid's going to look at you like, but mom, but dad, you, you, you weren't there. And you're saying, but I paid for this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid doesn't understand money. A kid understands time. A kid understands present in the present. Your presence in the present is a present. That's what they understand. And that's the problem. But since we none of, none of us live on farms anymore, where the, the mom and the dad are, and the child are working and toiling the same land, and you, people are working further and further away from their homes, their village. We had this conversation. I really enjoyed that Who's, who's in Your Village um, episode. I really did. I, I don't remember which episode it was, Who's in Your Village. I think it was episode 81. I enjoyed it. And then I think I talked, I spoke about super commuters. Like in New York City, we have the highest rate of super commuters in the country. I think us in California, oh, all part of California. What is a super commuter? That means someone who travels more than 90 minutes to get to work and to get home. So that means on top of the eight hours that you have to spend working, it takes an hour and a half to get to work and an hour and a half to get home. That's three hours. So it's eight hours working and, 11, and three hours commuting per day. That's 11 hours either getting to work, working, or getting home from work. And that's not including the time you have to prepare to get to work. So you got to get dressed. You got to get dressed. You have to eat. You have to wash yourself. You have to groom yourself, correct? Okay. So you, let's just say 12 hours out of a 24-hour day. You're spending preparing to get to work, um, um, commuting to work, working, and getting home from work. Okay? Super commuters. If you're doing that every day, five days a week, not four days a week, not three days a week, five days out of the, work, out of the um, calendar week. If you're doing that five days a week, you're working 12 hours. Because that eleven that that three hour commute, like I said, three hour commute, eight hour work shift, and you have to prepare to get to work. It takes about thirty minutes to an hour to get prepared to get get prepared for your commute. So that's twelve hours out of twenty four, and you're supposed to spend about six to eight of those sleeping. So that's eleven. That's twelve hours getting to work and working. That's six to eight hours. Let's just say eight because that's what it's supposed to be. Eight hours is supposed to be how long the average human being is supposed to sleep. Okay, you're supposed to get in that bed and get that eight, that seven to eight. So let's give it that eight. Twelve hours working, eight hours sleeping. That's 20 hours, and there are only 24 hours in a, in a, in a, in a day cycle. That's four hours that you have to spend with the child or the little, the little pupa that you put onto the planet, this, next, this, this descendant of yours. Does that seem adequate enough? especially in this day and age. So where, where is that child? That whole time you're spending doing that, that means they're spending 20 hours away from your tutelage. Oh, that's interesting. So in an average work week, in an average five days, they only get to see you 20 hours. Hmm. 
and you've spent about 60 hours with the gig, getting to, working, and coming home from. 60 hours with the gig, 20 hours with the kid. All right. So outcomes, people. Output determines outcomes. So if you're only outputting four hours to this child with all the things that are going on in the minds of a child at this day and age, with remember we spoke about divided attention. Their attention is being split in so many different ways. The peer pressures, the puberty, the, 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 the proliferation of, 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 of sexualized materials. Hmm? A, a, a sexualized material in the contraband form. Also, the sexualized material of identity politics. What is to be in the school? What is not to be in the schools? Teachers now campaigning for identity politics to be taught when they can barely teach the subjects that these kids need to learn to be well-balanced intellectuals. They're not even teaching these children how to be intellectuals, and they're more concerned with identity politics. We're running we're running at the la we're at the end of the pack in the first world in math and science and we're concerning ourselves with identity politics but we're not building intellectuals okay we're we're building these little straw man hyperbolic beings these opinionated human beings that can opine but they cannot articulate they cannot think for themselves they can't they cannot they cannot deduce complicated uh, uh, material. Everything in their lives is conjecture. Like I said, new studies say this, new studies say that, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to decipher this information and evaluate it correctly. They don't know how to think for themselves. And you only spent four hours with this kid, 20 hours a week, you spent 60 hours doing everything else, 20 hours an average day. So you're not the influence. You're not the main influence. From the moment you take them to daycare, from the moment they're spending more time outside of your home and outside of your tutelage and not with you, you're not the boss the same way you think you are. And every single year you become less and less authoritative. That's the rub, people. So what I'm saying to you is, and I've been saying this maybe since episode one, we need a reformatting of how we do things in the United States. You want different results, you have to put in different outputs, okay, for different outcomes. And I'm telling you that it doesn't start with gun control. You parents don't know your children. The adults in this country are going through, the adults and young adults and, and minors in this country are going through more drug use, more drug abuse, more mental disorders than ever before in the history of this country. That's before the gun. Take the gun out of the equation. Let's say there are no more guns. I'm sorry. Legislated to the point where there are no more guns. There's no such thing as no more guns. The same way there's no such thing as no more drugs or no more this or no more that. <clears throat> Look at the pornography industry. It's supposed to be over 18. You, how, um, how many checks and balances do you have in the, por in the, in the, in the pornography industry? Hmm? You can go on any website. It's not telling you, oh, you need to put your ID and verify. You know, No, you don't go through the same check and balances. Um, when, I, when I wanted to get an Uber to come pick me up and I set up an Uber account, 
all the stuff I had to go through, my driver's license, my email, my this, I had to prove my date of birth. Okay, great. That doesn't happen when you're trying to go look at something illicit online. It's just one, two, three. So what these children are exposed to today and what the youth are exposed to today is not the same thing that you were exposed to. If, if I'm talking to someone who's an older millennial or a, or a Gen Xer right now or, or a boomer, what they see and what you see are totally different. And it is rerouting their neural pathways and it's rerouting their reality. What they're exposed to is not the same as what you're exposed to. So their young minds are exposed to things that you are not arming them for. You. So when I hear guns and oh, it's gun control, we need more gun control. Yeah, you know, I heard I think the, the governor of New Jersey used this as an opportunity to political ping pong the gun control issue. And now there's going to be added security in the school Really, I had added security at my high school. I had metal detectors at my high school, okay? That didn't stop my high school from being horrible. My teachers in high school were horrible. Gym teacher teaching social studies class with a whistle around his neck. It was absurd. He didn't know anything. Reading from an antiquated textbook that by the time I was in high school, I knew that this was lies completely because I was leaving high school to go to libraries to go get the real information that was left out of my antiquated textbooks, textbooks that were from the Cold War era, okay, that were bandying about political messages that were already antiquated by the time they got to my school. Nonsense. Indoctrination, not education. Some of the things that are in my textbooks that were in my textbooks growing up have long since and I haven't been out of high school that long for them for a lot of that rhetoric to now be eliminated from the textbook. I remember um, when I was in New York back in 2014, I knew someone who went to my old high school, a, a friend of mine um, um, had a neighbor and they went to my old high school. I said, Yo, so you go to such and such school. Where, what are you guys studying? And I was like, yo, let me see a textbook. And he was just coming home. I said, yo, let me see a textbook. He was coming home from summer school because I was in uh, 2015. I was in New York in the summer. And I said, hey, listen, let me see a textbook. And he showed me the textbooks. And I'm looking through the books. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is way more information than I got as a kid. So think about that. And it still was a bit inaccurate because I was telling that kid things. He's like, yo, how come I don't know that? I was like, yeah, good question. Ask your teacher why you don't know what I'm telling you. Right. This is stuff you're supposed to know. So we're spending a great deal of time sending our kids off to these indoctrination camps where they're concentrating on the wrong things. And then we're only spending three to four hours a day with them if we're lucky. Between working and sleeping in many places. And so guess what? And then we wonder what's going on when they're exposed to this, that swiping right uh, identity politics, um, different stimuli. Do we know our children? Do we know the youth today? Do we know them? They're in chat rooms. They're on the dark web. They're in forums going deep down rabbit holes of people that they will never meet and are exposed to things that we've never been exposed to. And some of us don't even know exist right now. We don't know their world. 
So when we're asking, how is this happening? America is, America has deep mental disorders rooted in its inception. This is true. And we can go back to that. We can go back to Malcolm X talking about chickens have come home to roost when JFK got assassinated. He said that if you, if you, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can go there. That's hyperbolic to a certain degree. I'm, I'm becoming, I'm more concrete with it. I'm saying, look at the stimuli. Forget about America's inception, deception, perception, conception, blah, blah, blah. What's going on in the world today? What's going on with them today? What are they exposed to today? When your child goes into a room, closes the door behind them and goes on the web, what are they seeing? When they go to school, what are their friends saying and what are they seeing? They're dealing with questions that they didn't have to ask themselves. Questions about sexuality, questions about this, things, that, ideas that are being bandied about. They're exposed to all of it. Not just with the little group that they go to school with or the group that's in their neighborhood or the group that they play sports with or play an instrument with or have after school activities with or just their family members and friends. It's not just the social circle that they see anymore. It's a whole world that they're exposed to that we've never been exposed to. There are consequences and side, effect, side effects to that. And we have yet to explore what those side effects are. We're just beginning to understand them. Hearing about social media withdrawal is, as an actual thing, as a disorder. The fear of missing out, the FOMO, things going on, the cyberbullying. This is all new terminology. Brand new phenomenon that's just, just about a decade old. These are new terms, which means we're living in a new world, which means we're going to need new information. And a new way of dealing with these kids, which means maybe the old way. Back in the days when there was no TV in the child's room, where there was two televisions in the house, the family room TV and the bedroom TV of the parents. And oftentimes it was just one, it was the family room TV. We all chose a show that we were going to watch together. And who made that decision? Mom and or dad. Right? And we all watch it together. No, you don't get a tablet. Oh, I need a computer for school. Yeah, who says? Oh, they said I need a laptop to do these assignments. Yeah, okay. Then it's your job as a parent to take that laptop to a, a, a computer, a, techni a technician, an expert, and have it the most stringent parental privacy warnings possible. And guess what? The kid is doing that homework at the kitchen table and that laptop. Guess what? <clears throat> they don't bring it into their room. That laptop stays in the kitchen. That laptop stays in the living room. You need it for school, right? You finished your homework, right? No need for you to be on the web anymore. Oh, but I need, nah, I, I, no, no, no. Parents, you're not equipped to teach your kids about this new world. You're not equipped. You, you're not equipped. You don't have the rules and the weapons. You don't have the rules, tools, jewels, and weapons. So what you got to do is you got to become the strict baby boomer parent. Don't listen to these new magazines talking about you're over-parenting and you're controlling your children. 
you have to control the input. And then you say, you know what? I think it's time that I expose you to certain things. And then you expose them little by little. When you finally learn, you go, you know what? I have to teach this kid about pornography, the difference between intimacy and the difference between pornography, the difference between arousal and auto arousal. I have to teach my children about this stuff so they don't diminish certain experiences. So then when you finally have the, the right script, then you can go and say, hey, listen, we're going to watch something and we're going to watch it together because I know you've probably seen it in school. You've probably seen it, but you don't do that until. And you go, wow, just like in Europe, I was able to hang out with a bunch of 14, 15 year olds that were drinking wine and they weren't alcoholics. Why? Because their parents introduced them to certain things early enough and, uh, and explained to them that this is not something that you drink in copious amounts just to do. It's about the experience of having a sip of something that is that is taken so much time to actually create. It's a piece of art. You don't just consume art. You experience it. You take a moment. You sit and you contemplate. And that's what you do with a good bottle of wine, a good glass of wine. So I'm in Europe hanging out. At, I can't remember which piazza, which plaza I'm hanging out at. And I'm watching a bunch of 16-year-olds have one little bottle of wine while they're skateboarding. They drink a little bit and then they go and they hang out and they chill. It wasn't prohibited like it was for me in a, in a beer. It was a lifestyle. So the, the, the contraband and the, and, the, and the forbidden fruit aspect of certain things makes you do things in excess. So that's why Americans were going to Europe and getting their stomach pumped in alcohol poisoning. Because you weren't taught this early enough. Your parents didn't teach you how to drink and how to experience life. So here you are. Matter of fact, in my pamphlet, I studied in Rome for, for almost a, a half a year, for about six months. And in our pamphlet, it says that the Italian government and the Roman hospital system was not built to pump the stomachs of wayward American students. Because American students were going to Europe and because there was no prohibition on alcohol, you can go into a, a liquor store and buy a, buy a bottle of wine at wh whatever age. So what would happen is college students were going to Europe and buying wine and getting drunk out of their minds to the point where they had alcohol poisoning and being rushed to the hospital. And because it, Italy has a system where they have universal health care, the government is paying. The taxpayers are paying for that kid to get their stomach pumped because they drank too much wine. And so what would happen is the, Europe, the, 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 the Italian government was expelling students for those occurrences. Like you have to, if you go to the hospital for alcohol poisoning and you're on a student visa and you're American, you're getting kicked the heck out of Italy. Meanwhile, these Italian kids, I'm watching them at 15, 16 years old, and they're not, they don't have to get their stomach pumped because they've been armed with the rules and tools and jewels from their parents on how to experience these things in moderation. Hello, did a pretty good job. Meanwhile, the American parents said no drinking until you're 18, no drinking until you're 21. Yeah, yeah, guess what? That's not going to happen. People keep calling marijuana the gateway drug. That's nonsense. People have a beer and people have cigarettes way before they smoke weed. Alcohol is the gateway drug. All the things that you've prohibited instead of introducing to a certain degree. You understand what I'm saying out there? This is very, very important because we're failing these kids. We don't know what they're going through. When they go into that deep rabbit hole of the web 
that they go through and their friends go through and all of the information that they're getting. Like I said, all of these five, six, eight, nine, ten second videos that they're watching for instant gratification and they just spend their time with their necks. They're having those those flamingo necks where they're just looking down at their phones and scrolling, scrolling. Ha ha, share. Ha ha, double tap. Ha ha, like. Ha ha. That's it over and over again. You don't think that that's rerouting their neural pathways, that that's changing them who they are psychologically. They're looking at videos, they're on sites, they're looking at things that maybe a child or maybe a kid shouldn't be seeing in their formative years and shouldn't be seeing it without guidance. And if they do see it, they're not going to an adult and saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, elder with, with some sense. What's this about? Like, why are they doing this? And you don't have the answers, Sway? You don't have the answers? You ain't even prepared for the question? Ooh, in this new world that we're living in? So you're not going to understand what's going on. These kids are on websites, boilerplating all types of antiquated white supremacist rhetoric, and you didn't know? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that they were, I, I had no idea. Why did you have no idea? That's unacceptable. This child, this person lives in your home. You see this person every day. And you and you and not only you're not living together as partners, that person's under your control to a certain degree. So what are we doing about this? So between the parents, between society, what are we doing to, to, to help these kids become more balanced in the world that they're living in? And what are the parents doing to arm themselves with new information so they can so they're able to actually explain to their children, explain to their descendants what's going on in this new world. Explain to their offspring. This is what your new world is like. It's different from my world in this regard. And this is what I have to explain to you. If you're thinking that just feeding and watering and clothing these children are enough, you are sadly mistaken. You have to employ certain tactics that your grandparents use and your parents' parents use, and then you have to employ new tactics. And one of the main tactics is you have to control the information. You have to know the information that they're exposed to and then control that information and then be able to explain that information and, have to un and, 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 al and allow them a moment to have a discussions and open up the floor to actual conversation with them. If you're not doing that, you're going to lose these babies a lot sooner than you would back in the days. People used to you lose their kids by, by, by puberty, by the time they reach their 14, 15, 16. Now, you're losing them way earlier than that. They're gone. When, you, when I go to restaurants and I see little kids at the dinner table on tablets, you've already lost your child. If the only way you can control your kid is with an electronic device, that electronic device is boss and you are not. You have just relinquished control and your parental authority to that device just so you can have a moment's peace. But you haven't armed yourself with the rules, tools, and jewels on how to, how to um, compel your child to behave in a certain manners, whether in the home or out of the home. And I know it sounds easier than normal, uh, easier, than, easier said than done, but I had, me and my brother were quite rambunctious. And I'm telling you right now, nothing made us ship up or shape up more than my mom saying, I'm going to tell your father how you're acting. We'd be like, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. So all she did was relinquish a little bit of authority to the other parental figure, which is fine. That's part of the village. I had a favorite uncle. My mom would say, if you do this, I'm going to tell your uncle. Oh, no, 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 no,
the same ideology being reinforced no matter where I go, no matter whose home I stay at. I'm in Long Island. It's the aunties and uncles saying the same thing. I'm in Brooklyn. Auntie and uncle are saying the same thing. I'm in Queens. Auntie and uncle are saying the same thing. Everywhere I go, I'm in Philadelphia, in Florida. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't escape the ideology. It's the same. I go to Haiti. They're saying the same thing. I go to Canada. I'm in Quebec, Montreal, Toronto. Family members are saying, June, you got to do blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh my gosh, this broken record. And guess what? Just like that song that you hear on the radio a bunch of times a day and you end up memorizing, that's what happened to me. Kept hearing it over and over again and I ended up memorizing it. So parents, I'm, tell I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, you have to, this country has to reformat the amount of time that it's allotting to families to be families. The work week, like I've said, needs to change needs to be drastically decreased from 40 to like 28, 30, from five days on to maybe three and a half to four days on and three consecutive days away. Children don't need to be in a classroom five days a week. It's not necessary. It's unnecessary. You t all this time we've spent teaching these kids, and guess what? We have the dumbest kids in the first world, respectfully. Okay? but yet they spend an inordinate amount of time at school. So that means we need to reroute that. I'm telling you that gun control is not part of the conversation above the things that I'm discussing right now. That's, what, that's my assertion. That's what I'm saying to you. It's not. If you're thinking, oh yeah, we gotta do something about these guns and this, then the third and these guns and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. No, you don't get to see your kids. You don't know who your kids are. You don't know what your kids are exposed to. Before they're exposed to a gun, they're exposed to a certain level of mental and spiritual malaise that you haven't gotten to yet, that you haven't confronted. And for many of you, don't even know is occurring. They're speaking to friends on so they're speaking to people that are faceless and nameless on these sites, and yet you've allowed them to be these technological uh, 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 attached to their devices. We don't know which one is ruling who. I mean, I was reading this article and this author of this article said, if uh, an alien culture were to come visit us, if we were to be extinct, let's say 30 years from now or 20 years from now, if something were to happen to the human race in 2042 and aliens would come down, they wouldn't know who was the boss of whom, whether it was the, the, the algorithm or us. Is it the internet or is it the technology that was ruling us or were we ruling the technology when you see things like social media withdrawal and you see the heightened anxiety that exists right now and a lot of it can be attributed to the level of stimuli that exists all the different distractions that exist all the different things so who's Pavlov and who's the dog I'll ask again and so while we're sitting here talking about gun control and that's going to stop Salvador from feeling how he was feeling. No. Is that going to is gun control going to stop Peyton Gidron from having his little, you know, little, you know, antiquated supremacist rhetoric? No. All these kids from state to state that want to get in that, that that see that their lives is meaningless. So they see my other lives as meaningless as well. Is that is that guns going to stop that? No. You think you're going to save lives that way? Teenage suicide, second leading cause of death. Teenagers killing themselves. Young people, adults killing themselves. What are we talking about? There's a mental deficit. 
What's that song, I Got Issues? We got issues. America has issues. Big issues. America has big mental issues. Has a deficit of the spirit, whatever that thing is. Whatever that is. There's something going on internally. And, the, and, these, this, and we can't legislate the, it away with guns, gun control. That's not going to happen. If you think, if you think you're going to be able to do that, look at Brazil. Brazil tried to take their guns off the street. Guess what? Bandits run amok. Jamaica, bandits run amok in the inner cities all over. New York City, gun control everywhere. Bandits run amok. Stop it. And your military and your police are going to need more guns because you're creating more poverty. And the more poverty create, the more the state is going to have to use military-like means, armed means, to suppress, repress, and oppress uprisings. <laughs> it's how the world works. It's how it works everywhere. I don't, know you, I don't know if you guys don't know that, but that's how it works. We, we spoke about political legitimacy, and the political legitimacy and government legitimacy is at the barrel of a gun. The more you can control your military and your police, if they break rank and file with you, then you know, now your government's no longer legit. But if your military and your police, you can control them to suppress the masses, then you're still in control. You're still legitimate. Law and order. But if people no longer see you as law and order, people see you as the problem, unlawful and disorderly, then guess what? And then the police and the military look at you the same way. So guess what? You thinking you're taking guns off the street is going to stop another Peyton, another Salvador, another this one, another that one. It's not. Another South Carolina shooter. It's not. It's not. What are you doing about it? What these kids are feeling? They're in a different world than the world I grew up in. I am willing to concede that. And if America is not willing to concede that, and it's a world that we've all created, whether it's Silicon Valley, whether it's our consumer capitalist system that has run amok. I can't watch anything without me being advertised to. <clears throat> I have to I, I'm I'm at the point right now where I play these little games on my cell phone. And every time um, I finish a round, I'm bombarded with a commercial. I'm bombarded with a commercial for something I don't want or don't need. I don't need it and don't want it. So I have to go back to reading long form books, playing chess, going for bike rides or jogs without my phone in tow. Leave the phone at home. Leave the headphones at home. Just be alone with my thoughts. How often are these kids alone with their thoughts? They're being contaminated with everybody else's thoughts. And most of those thoughts are not coming from their parents, their parental units or the elders in their lives. It's coming from everywhere else. And even me as an adult, I'm like, listen, man, I, I, can't, I can't watch these shows. I cannot watch commercial TV. I tell you guys right now, I pause a lot of what I watch and I let a certain amount of time transpire so I can, fa transpire so I can fast forward through the commercials. I get annoyed when I'm playing a simple word game on my phone and then I have to get some sort of commercial before the next round and I got to exit out of that. Or it's trying to route me to the app store so I can download it. It's infuriating. And I'm like, I'm being bombarded by things I don't want. These are invaders in my space. All I want to do is play this word game. I didn't sign up for all this other stuff. You know what I mean? All I want to do is watch this show. I don't want to see the commercial. I've rarely, see, very once and seldomly do I see a commercial. And I go, man, I got to go get that. Whoa. No, 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 not really. Not really. 
seldom, rarely. But these kids, are be, they, we're being bombarded with more imagery, with more things to buy, sell, need, want, with more things telling us how to be, how to live, who to be like, what to identify as than ever before. And I'm saying that this new world doesn't, doesn't come equipped with new rules. We're learning this as it goes along, as, as we go along, and we're failing. That's what it is. We're failing. We're failing the kids. We're failing ourselves. And, if, and these, these politicians are going around talking about gun control. I'm like, what are you talking about? Look at the world. Prohibition doesn't work, especially when you're dealing with income inequality, especially when you're dealing with mental disorders and illnesses. Doesn't work. If you, if you want to take away guns, then you got to build a safety net. <clears throat> In, in, com, in comparable to Europe's safety net, comparable to Germany and, and France's safety net, because or else you have to allocate resources to all of those neighborhoods. You have to build resort style entertainment complexes in certain cities and you have to start creating a more a compass of two parent households. This whole 40-hour work week has to be dispensed with. You have to now propagate the two-parent household and not propagate and promote the you-can-do-it-alone independent spirit. Yeah, it's great to be independent, not when someone's dependent on you. There's an interdependency that, that, that exists. Once you decide to bring a new person onto the planet, you need a whole culture to cultivate that child, a cult to cultivate that child. Culture. So when you go to the third world and you go to certain other emerging markets and you go to the Middle East and you go to Africa and you go to certain parts of the Caribbean, what do you got? You don't just have a man and a woman with a child. You have a culture that says this is, we're going to help supplement and subsidize this man, woman and child with grandparents, with the village, with parents that live across the street or next door. Are we doing that in America? Not when you have super, super commuters acting like supercomputers. Not when you have commuters computing, spending 90 minutes to get to a job, then spending eight hours at that job and 90 minutes to get home. Uh-uh, no village. Everyone is, your village is 90, your job is 90 minutes away and you're spending more time there than it, with your family and your friends and your community and your neighborhood building so that child feels protected in a cocoon of ideals and traditions and standards and norms. You don't have that in the United States. You don't have that. So this is a commentary on the system. Forget the guns. Forget the guns. You could put more guns on. You can have less gun control, but if you implement more culture, standards, and norms, you will see de gun deaths go down. Did you hear what I just said? You want me to repeat that? Whoever's out there still listening, because uh, we're one hour and 18 minutes into this episode. You can put more guns on the street. You can have less, you can have more lax gun laws. But if you become more stringent on culture in this country, man, woman, and child, family becomes the culture. Because we talk family values while we, out, while we work parents to death, right? Okay. While we increase the retirement age so you work longer, right? 
So you talk family, but I don't see anything that promotes family. We promote work being the family. We promote people spending more time with their employer and their employees instead of their family and their babies. Yep. So I hear the term family values being bandied about, but it's not exactly put into practice. So it's a lie. It's a talking point. It's a stump speech. It's, it's inaccurate. But I'm telling you right now, if you minimize the work week from, from five days to four, if you minimize the work day, work week hours from 40 hours to 29, if you minimize the work day from eight to say five and a half, and you minimize the school day hours from eight to three to let's say eight to noon, one o'clock, and you create a system that says parents be home with your children first, work comes second to family, and we're going to put those systems in place and you allow a parent to be as strict as they want to be or lax as they want to be. And you say, no, we're not going to. We, we have real support systems in place for kids on the web. Real support systems for how kids interact on social media. Real support systems for, for, to allow kids to be involved in sports and social activities to learn how to interact with each other. Whether through sports, through the arts, whether it's through music, you have art programs in the school. You have music programs in the school. Yeah, so Monday is math, science, and such and such. Tuesday is philosophy. You're studying Kant and Foucault and Aquinas and Marx and whoever else. And then the next day, you're doing a play. It's all arts. And then Thursday, all activities, physical activities. So you have meditation, you have yoga, you have Pilates, you have basketball, football, soccer, this, that, and the third. You reformat how you do things with lax gun laws. And I guarantee you, you reformat it. And then the families now are involved, multiple families. Mom, dad is, is, is interacting with other mom and dads in their communities. Then you open up the school to the parents. Hey, parents, take a Pilates class with your kid. Take a, take a yoga class with your kid, et cetera, et cetera. You're off from work now. You're only working five hours. We're having a Pilates class at 2.30 in the afternoon. Your kid got off at noon, 1 o'clock. Okay, yeah, I'm going to my kid's school. We're going to do a yoga class. Oh, I know it sounds all I know it sounds all liberal heebie-jeebie, but it's better than what these liberals are trying to do, trying to take the guns away. Hmm. If some people out there thinking I'm ridiculous, think about it. You now create a situation where the parents and the kids in the community are all working in tandem, not in opposition to each other, because a system that has me working 60 hours and home with my kid only 20 hours in a week. That's an opposition to my family values. That's an opposition to creating a dynastic system where the next generation is doing better than the previous generation. And to do that, I need the time to inculcate, to cultivate, and give that child the standards and protocols and norms. And then I'm armed with, but these parents don't even know what's going on with these kids. These kids don't even know what's going on in their own heads. You're off working for a certain amount of time and you're thinking that feeding and watering and clothing this child is enough. And it's not. And it's not. It's not enough. It's not even close to enough. It's definitely not in this day and age. So all the things that I'm proposing will get you closer. The thing that they're proposing, gun control, is going to lead to more gun violence. Because you're not even attacking the other things. 
So I, we don't even need new agencies to do the stuff that I'm saying. But this gun control, you're going to need someone to vet out the kids and vet out who has a psychiatric evaluation that said that they're, you know, um, they may not be all there or they, they were evaluated as maybe having a personality. No, 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 no. You don't need a new agency. You don't need a family enforcement agency, an FEA. No, you don't need to. Couple of pieces of legislation, that's it. You don't need to create a whole new, this is the family czar. No, don't need a family czar. Don't need a family enforcement administration. Don't need it. Just need a rerouting on how we do things and how we allocate these funds. That's all. Don't need to spend $3.16 billion per annum like the at DEA. Don't need to. Don't need to. We just have to reformat. What is this country really going to be about? Because the way we're headed, where we're headed, it's not a good place. I'm sorry to be Donnie Downer. I don't mean to be Downer, but I, I'm coming with alternatives. I'm not just reporting blood, guts, and gore like they do in your local news, where it's like, oh, in the news today, someone got their head chopped off, and then a car ran over a giraffe, and the giraffe kicked the baby in the head. No, it's not what we're doing here. There's solutions. I'm saying that gun control is not a solution. It's not a solution at all. It's not, even, it's not even in the top three, four, five things that need to be addressed. You can leave the gun, the gun issue, the, 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 the gun laws as is, and you will see a significant decreasing in gun violence in 10, 15 years, in 10 years, in five years. If you start implementing the things that I'm saying now, you will see a new generation sprout up of parents being armed with better information, schools being armed with better information of society. But that's not going to happen. I'm saying it so people can, I put it out there in the ether. That's all I can do. So if people want to share it, parrot it, whatever, that's fine. You want to parrot it, you want to mimic it, that's awesome. Share whatever. But will I think our society will do that? No. We'll look, we'll look to take the guns off the street and, and, the gu and taking guns out, uh, off the hands, uh, out of the hands of um, law-abiding, tax-paying citizens is part of another kind of agenda that I'm not going to speak on at the moment. That's another conversation for another day. When you, when you have more income inequality and you have the most armed law enforcement in the world this side of Israel here and you have more poor people than ever before in this country, and there's that old saying, when the poor run out of things to eat, they'll eventually eat the rich. So if you take the guns out of these people's hands and you only give the guns to the, the, the wealthy and the property and the, the, the law enforcement and military, guess what? When America's system comes to a head and the people are saying, yo, there's a price that needs to be paid for how we've been treated. And those people come, the barbarians come storming the gate. They're not going to have anything but their fists and their picket signs, and that's by design. But that's another conversation for another day. While everybody else is hiding behind their armed security-gated communities, which is happening more and more in America, where there's more and more gated communities that have armed security. They are self-contained, self-sufficient. They have their own supermarkets. They have their own coffee shops. They have armed guards, and they have uh, uh, an ambulance. As a matter of fact, less than a mile up from where I lived, there was a community that had its own ambulance service, its own cops, and its own supermarket in the gated community. They didn't have to leave. Do you understand? So when things hit the fan on the outside, they're all right on the inside. This is, 
This is increasingly becoming the reality in this country. There are a lot of things wrong and it goes and, and a lot of things that need to be quelled, a lot of things that need to be addressed and then repaired and reformed that have nothing to do with gun control, with the gun, with the gun laws the same as they are, untouched, and you will be able to see a significant massive decreasing. And it has to do with the investment in the mental health of the parents and the children. And it has to do with the investment in the in the actual and how our economy uh, uh, distributes wealth, how we're allowing parents to work 50 to commute, to commute and work up to 40, 50, 60 hours away from their home, away from their children that they're raising. The idea that it's OK to do it by yourself, the idea that it's OK to, to have a child on your own when it's shown that it doesn't work. Low IQ scores, lower IQ scores in single parent households, lower, uh, uh, higher increase in, in juvenile delinquency and teenage pregnancies and teenage suicides and such and such and this, that and the third. We have to really, 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 truly promote the two parent household. We have to promote the two parent household and dare I say it, discourage the single parent household as much as humanly possible. Discourage choosing that as an option. Things do occur. But the option of choosing that route, statistically speaking, it's not doing the children any good when the parent has to work God knows how many hours because now it's just one income to sustain this child. It took two to procreate and it takes two to provide and parent and co-parent that child, period, in the home, not just somebody delivering money and not just someone being a weekend parent every couple of weekends or sending money every month. No, 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 no. I'm talking about every day in every day out when that child wakes up in the middle of the night they know they're going to see their parents there mom dad i got something i want to talk about i can't sleep or the parent wakes up and knows that that because they hear the child fidgeting and they one parent goes speak to the child then that parent goes back to the bed speaks to the other parent like such and such is going through something um i want you to talk to them but don't tell them i told you but we're going to discuss it this way then you guys come up with a plan one family not oh i have two kids over here but my other baby daddy or baby mama has another two kids. no no wrong it's not working it's not working i'm saying it out loud it's not working the kids are suffering and then in turn the parents suffer and then in turn adults suffer everyone suffers the society suffers society grieves when these children don't do well that's one less contributory person that's going to help move our human existence further along when that child becomes broken what do they say it's easier to, to to build up a child than to fix a broken adult who said that was that frederick Douglass or somebody yeah so we have a lot of children here that are broken and leading to broken adults. So why don't we start building up these families? You want to build up children, you got to give these parents more time with the kids. Output outcome. The more time you spend with your children in the, in the substantive format, the more balanced your ch the higher the likelihood that you're going to lead, you're going to you're going to be uh, 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 the upbringing bringing up a contributory balanced adult. Teen, adult output outcome what you put out is what you're gonna get but if you're spending 60 hours at the gig and 20 hours with the kid okay that's your priority you've shown me the numbers numbers don't lie men lie women lie numbers don't men lie women lie children lie numbers say oh you spent more time over there than with the kids so the kids coming out funny okay the kids coming out strange 
having strange things going. Oh, well, okay, something's going on with this kid. What's going on? Oh, I, I don't have time. I got to get a counselor now. Now I got to get this and that. Where's your village? I don't have one. I'm not with the father. Oh, the father's like I'm not with the mom and this, that, and the third. And my mom is not with the this. And oh, so there's no grandparents, no uncles, no aunties, no village, no neighbors, no anything. It's just you on one side, the parent on the other side. And now this kid is suffering. Good job. Now you're gonna put this, 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 this uh, maladjusted human being out into the into the atmosphere, and then I gotta deal with it in some way, shape, or form. And then they decide to go to the gun store because of all of the other nonsense. Because life is meaningless. They don't feel important. They don't feel as if they're being prioritized because you've spent 60 hours over here and only 20 hours with them, and now I got to deal with it. Now, this cat wants to come to my shopping mall and do some foolery. He wants to come to this elementary school, or he wants to go here and there and everywhere. Parents, you got to start looking in the mirror. Society, you got to start looking in the mirror. You got to ask your politicians and your bosses and your industry and your whole paradigm that, hey, listen, we're failing these babies. And if you're, and if you're not willing to have that conversation, then... Okay, but don't 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 let's not go straight to the why do they have so many bullets in those guns? Stop it. Stop it. There's a lot going on before we get there. Whew. I'm going to be belaboring this. I've spoken about a lot of these things and I, I don't believe in I don't think that I'd be speaking about this ad nauseum. I don't think that I can I don't think that I can uh, uh, belabor this point anymore. I don't think that speaking about this that i'm going to reach a point of critical mass where i've said enough on this subject i will speak about other subjects but this is at the crux oftentimes of what's going on america lacks culture america lacks standards norms and protocols that revolve around family in other cultures people get shamed for doing things and people may feel like oh june we don't believe in shaming we don't believe i believe in shaming I believe in a certain level of shame. You do certain things and it's against the culture, the standards and the norms and you get, sh you get shamed into corrective behavior. I believe in it. <clears throat> but in a new world where everything and anything goes, what do you choose? Ah, if anything and everything goes, what does one do? Hmm? There have to be standards and norms, people. Not everything can go. Not anything can go. Sorry. I remember I used to have a friend of mine in Hawaii. He loves when I say this. I'm like, yeah, you can have it all, just not all at once. You know, you eat your breakfast at a certain time before you eat your lunch and your dinner. You don't have everything on one plate at the same time. Americans want everything at once. We want every kind of sexuality, every kind of identity. We want the career, the family, the this, the that, and the third, all at one time. And guess what? You can't have it all, dot, 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 at once. It's real talk. Can't have it all at once. Can't, well, if anything and everything goes, then what do you choose? Oh, there's so much to choose from. I don't know where to start. Exactly. I don't know who to be, what to do. Well, guess what? Here's a metric right here standards protocols norms let's start with that but because every single other year there's a new study saying we should be raising people like this we should be doing this this is the new this this is the new trend buy this sell that this is no longer this is obsolete this is irrelevant etc etc in a consumer economy everything becomes disposable nothing lasts including traditions consumer capitalism does not like traditions 
they like you to be involved in the new things because you know what traditions do? They make you look in the past. They make you say, this is what we're going to do. But if there are no tradition standards and norms, guess what? The new thing becomes your tradition until you throw it away for the new thing that becomes your new thing, your new tradition. You don't have traditions in America. You have trends. This is real talk. I think we're going to talk about that. I hope people are listening. I know I'm ranting. I should have maybe split this up into episodes. And maybe a lot of this is falling on deaf ears. But you know what? That's okay. Maybe someone will catch it out there. You know, I, you know, but we don't have traditions in America. We have trends. Consumer capitalism does not want you to have traditions. It wants you to have trends. The new thing. The new thing. The new thing. The new thing. That's what it's based on. Buy this. Ooh, it's the new thing. It's the new song. The new clothes. The new thing. Not traditional garb. Oh, no. We don't want you wearing the same things over and over again and then passing it down to another generation. Heavens forbid. No. We want you to throw out all that stuff that you had and get the new stuff. Throw out those kitchen cupboards. Throw out that, ooh, we need a new backsplash. We need a new kitchen. New this, new this, new this. No traditions. Trends. Oh, we don't need this floor. We need a new floor. Uprooted. What's wrong with this floor? It's perfectly fine. It matches everything. No, no, no. We need a new floor. No, no, no. We need a new kitchen. No, no, no. We need a new car. No, no, no. We need new clothes. No, these clothes are perfectly fine. They look good. It's modern. No, no, no. The new thing. The new thing. The new thing. Dispose of the old. Waste, waste, waste. Trends, no traditions. And because of that, what does a child have to hold on to? Uh-oh. You see how I went back to that? Tradition is a branch. When things get, when things get, tradition is your roots. It gets a little windy, you get to hold on to it. It keeps you rooted. It's something to hold on to. That's why people have faith in certain things in their religions. It's something for them to hold on to that's older and bigger than they are and withstands the test of time. But in our society, we want purchasing power to be the religion. What's new is the new religion. What's next? What's new and what's next? That's all that matters. So it's no, there's no uh, 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 emphasis on what was and what is now, the present. It's about what's next. It's not about rooting yourself because roots represent the past. It's been here for a long time. It's withstood the tests of time. So that's what tradition is. You, when you hear terms like it's firmly rooted in a tradition, huh, hear that? Do we have that here? What's the tradition? No, it's trendy. It's trends. It's trends. I think that's why I abhor plazas. I hate plazas because they represent what's new. I, I like old cities. I like pastoral, rural, farmland because it represents something that's been here. It's bigger than me. And I love old cities. So it's either rural or it's an old metropolitan city. I love Rome. I love other parts, places that aren't so modern. And I don't, I despise the American strip mall. I despise the American plaza for that reason. Because it's not rooted in any tradition. It's what's new. All of a sudden, this person loses their lease. New store in here. And, and, it, and it lacks, um, it lacks 
dynamism. It's not dynamic. There's something to me more dynamic. If you're going to be new, then be super futuristic, not something that's disposable. If you're going to be new, be like Singapore or something. Be like the Jetsons. Be Show me some real, but don't just be, un, the, the, oh, this is just the next thing and that's going to be disposed of in a little while. That's it. <sighs> and that's where we are. So we have a trendy society, not a traditional society. When you hear conservatives speak about family values, stop it. I want to hear conservatives tell me that we're going we're gonna to emphasize family by lowering the work week, by decreasing the, work, the, the hourly work day and the, the days in a work week. Then I'll start believing. Then we're going to really start having programs in the schools now. We're going to lower the school. We're going to decrease the school day and the school week and we're going to implement programs for parents because now parents are going to be working less and we're going to have to have now we're going to have the schools be a place where the parent and the children can interact now with the educators and everyone else so it's not this adversarial relationship that exists now because teachers and admin and educational administrators are part of the village you go to the third world and other countries in emerging markets, the teacher is part of that village. The teacher is from that village. And whatever the teacher is teaching the, has to be sanctioned by the parents because the parents have, and that village has standards and norms that have to be adhered to. So I can't just come there as some foreign instructor teaching. I taught in Cambodia. And the first thing I said was, what am I allowed to teach? And who did I speak to? The people in the community. The, the, the proprietor of the orphanage who was part of that village and knows the religion and knows the people and the culture and the standards and the norms. What is taboo? What am I allowed to say and what am I not? But meanwhile, in this country, you have teachers taking a certain amount of license to teach your kids about things that you haven't sanctioned yet because they're not part of your village. Yeah. So there's an adversarial relationship between parents and the children, the children and the teachers, the parents and the teachers. Uh-oh, this is supposed to be your village. The school board is saying we're doing this now or we're not doing that. What's going on, people? We need to reform this. And I'm telling you, this gun violence that you see, these, children's, these children are dealing with violence based on isolation, based on based on their devaluation of life in general. They don't feel prioritized. They don't feel emphasized in a world that has so many distractions, in a world where their parents are working 40, 50, 60 hour work weeks and they barely get to see mom and dad. Their first teachers, their first love, their first cook, mom and dad, and they don't even get to see them. They feel insignificant in a world that's gotten increasingly large and they're going on forums with children that are going through the exact same thing and it's creating a cancerous deficit amongst hundreds of thousands, dare I say millions of kids nationwide. Forget about the world for now, just in America alone. Is that the world you want? You don't know your child. Your child doesn't know you. Your child is barely alone with their thoughts. They're never without their phone. You have parents saying, I had to take my child to this, um, this, this analog camp where they had no technology. They were just around nature. They used to be called the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. 
used to be called camp. Now you have to do it to keep your kid away from the electronics that you bought them. You bought them that. You bought that phone. You bought that. You put a tablet in this kid's hand from early on. That's you. And then you, so you can't blame the web and this, that, and the third. You did that. You did that. And you did, and you don't know all the things that they're watching because while they're being placated and, 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 and anesthetized by this machine, you get to do what you want to do. So you've told the child that this is part of the parental dynamic. When they go out to eat and the only way you can get them to sit still is if they have a tablet at the dinner table. What? Are you kidding me? If I decide to buy a home in the United States, I'm going to have a formal dining room that is not has does not have access to a television. Like there's no TV in the formal dining room. You're not going to watch TV and eat. No. TV off. No phones at the table, no tablets. Matter of fact, none of you have phones and tablets. You want a phone and a tablet? Wait till your 18th birthday. You want to have gun control? Forget about gun control. Let's have some porn control. Let's have some phone control. Let's have some tablet control and some laptop control. Hmm? Let's start with that. Let's start with some, par- with some parents having control over their time with their children. Maybe you work three and a half to four days on and then three days off consecutively lower yeah let's have some control of our schedules instead of having our schedules being controlled by employers and economic forces let's have another kind of conversation and then after that if we still are having this level of violence occur amongst the youth then we say up gun control but don't reach for that it's low-hanging fruit you don't want to deal with the other, with the real issues, so we're dealing with that. Don't let the politicians fool you. It sounds easy. I know. It's easy. We're looking for the easiest. Human beings like to look for the easiest explanation to things. When our kid is doing something wrong, we don't blame ourselves. We blame others. Right? Oh, yeah. It must be. It must be. It must be the, the, the music. It must be the reality shows. It must be what they're teaching them in schools. It must be peer pressure from some kid they're hanging out with. It's more difficult for us to look in the mirror and say we're doing an inadequate job as elders and teachers. Mm. Let's get to that, people. Let's get to that first. Forget about gun control. What are we doing about poverty control? What are we doing about economic distribution control? What are we doing about people having more control over where they commute to work, how they commute, whether they work from home or not, whether they work five days a week or three days a week, whether they work eight hours a day or five hours a day. Let's have people have more control over that. Have have parents have more control over curriculums. Oh. (sighs) Let's have that conversation. Until next time.